Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgham. And I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. And I'm Sergeant Ackerberg. On each episode of The Pillars, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblocks you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. So today we're going to talk about automatic negative thoughts, or ants, and pretty much going to decide, do you have an ant problem? And honestly, we all need to exterminate the ants in our lives. (laughs) And you can't always call your local pest exterminator, especially when it's something going on inside. Exactly. So... And and what if you can't get rid of the ants, though? What can you do about it? Because ants are pests. They eat our food. They bother us. Um, Some of them even sting us. Yeah, we set traps, right? Yeah, you set traps. Oh, what if you can make them your friends? What if you could uh, get along with the ants, find a way to make them work for you? Would that be an acceptable solution, too? I hear some of you uh, bugophobes screaming right now and saying, no, no, kill them all, kill them with fire. Um, And that's okay. We can do that too. But um, sometimes we can't get rid of the ants no matter how much we try. And in fact, our house has a literal ant infestation that Orkin has not been able to (laughs) get rid of for some reason. Um, So we got to figure out a way to make, uh, to find an acceptable solution. And sometimes that means changing our relationship with our ants. In this case, I'm talking about the automatic negative thoughts. Exactly. And I think the biggest key is to identify that you have an ant problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, because how do you make a change if you're not even aware a change is needed? And so what do you think we could do to identify if we have an ant problem? Well, first, we got to know what the these automatic negative thoughts are that we're experiencing. And we all have these. It's, it's a common process in uh, how we think and react to everyday occurrences. So let me give you a scenario. Um, you walk into your work center in the morning and you have all these visual cues and auditory cues that, that come to you. You know, you see your, your coworkers, your uh, workspace, and you, know, you hear the normal routines and sounds of the morning. So that's the stimulus. Automatically, you're going to have thoughts that come to life in your brain that are associated with that. Uh, because it's such a, a common occurrence. And so when you uh, have these automatic negative thoughts, or automatic thoughts, they're not necessarily negative yet, this happens all in the subconscious and it happens in the, the blink of an eye. And a lot of times we don't even realize that it's happening, it's just something that happens automatic in the background. And then as a result of that, we experience a number of different emotions. So uh, if you've had good experiences in your work center or you like your coworkers, then you probably have some positive automatic thoughts going on and that's going to spur some positive emotions. Conversely, if maybe you're a little disgruntled or you're getting burnt out or let's say you had a bad interaction with one of your coworkers the other day, maybe that sparked a negative automatic thought and so you're entering into a negative uh, frame of mind or a negative emotional state and that can carry on with you throughout the rest of the day. So the first step in this process is awareness. Uh, Looking into our own minds and figuring out what are those automatic thoughts that I'm having and how in turn are those thoughts influencing how I feel and how I act? And what's interesting about that, I had an actual ant problem in my house about a year ago in housing. And I had literal real, or literal, figured? Okay. Literal. <laughs> but it relates to this, I think. So I come downstairs, have a great coffee pot, and I'm, I'm really a coffee person. I have a caffeine oh, problem. We know, yes. Yeah, we all know if you've listened at all. So I come down, I pull the coffee out, and I pour it into the cup. And it's dark. I have a little light on. But I'm drinking. drinking. I go, oh, man, this, this coffee tastes, like, really weird. I mean, there's something weird, some grinds in it or something. 
And, don't uh, tell so, me this uh, is so going where I think it is. No, it is. Don't say so, it. Uh, so I turn on the light, and my cup is completely <gasps> filled with ants. And it, what had happened was this coffee maker had been infested entirely with ants. So I took this $80 coffee maker, and I pulled it open. I mean, inside, everywhere, and just took it and threw it directly in the trash. Wow. That I is swear, so gross. I was terrible. And I'm That's sitting in the solution. kitchen at 5 a.m. trying not to freak out at the fact that, like, you know, my kids are sleeping. I'm like, ah, like, you know, these ants are everywhere. But so it's always surprising to realize we have automatic negative thoughts or what's going on but mm-hmm. to find out you have to literally turn on the light you have to pay attention to what's going on because what you don't want to do is be like me and start realize it mm-hmm. when they're in your mouth at a bad time oh so disgusting because you were on autopilot a total autopilot at, at that point in time you weren't even paying, nope, paying pay attention, attention to these things that were influencing the taste of your coffee until all of a sudden you had this moment of awareness and you're, you're being mindful and tasting your coffee and saying oh well this is not right it was not right it was not right. Yeah, this reaction I'm having is not um, appropriate. Yeah, appropriate to this standard situation that I'm experiencing. Let me, you know, see if I can figure it out. Let me see if I can gather more evidence uh, for why this is happening. And sure enough, you did have a literal ant problem. I did. So uh, this is a great example because both figurative and literally, you had to um, look inside, uh, or in this case in your kitchen, to figure out, or inside the coffee maker, to to see what was going on that was not uh, typical. And so by looking at the automatic thoughts and the process, how those um, are influencing you, the the taste of your coffee, the emotions that you experience, you can then change the issue. You can uh, figure out what the problem is and then change it to make it right again. So... Uh, so, Nackerberg, can you give us some examples of some of these negative automatic thoughts that people may experience? I sure can. Uh, one area that people tend to do for their thinking is to personalize. Um, and that's kind of where you walk in a room and you think, everyone was looking at me, why am I here? Um, they really are, you personalize it to make it about you. Even though you may walk into your work section and people are just doing their normal work, all of a sudden it's it's centered on you. Uh, we can magnify so everything is terrible because it's terrible, right? You, you, you blow things out of proportion. Exactly. Yeah. So um, you know, to take a school example, you know, you fail one test or maybe don't do as well as you thought that you did, and you say, "Oh, that's it. I'm going to fail out of the course." You know, or or um, you know, why am I even in school at all? You know, I'm just a, a failure. Yep. We also have either or thinking. I'm either a winner or I'm a loser. There's no gray in between, and we get stuck on those very solid two sides. Yeah, so categorizing or, exactly. or you know, taking dichotomous extremes. So either something's really great or it's or it's really bad. There's no in between. Yeah. And, and I think that one's really important because we have a tendency to uh, value everything. We have to make a value judgment. So it's it's good or it's bad. It's right or it's wrong. Where there actually are in real life shades of gray and things can just be you know, maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be good or bad. It just is. And, and that's okay. But sometimes we don't, it makes us uncomfortable to have that ambiguity. And so we have to find something concrete that uh, guides us and allows us to make further decisions and judgments rather than sit with that discomfort. Exactly. We also have uh, taking events out of context, jumping to conclusions. We can overgeneralize. We have magical thinking, which is pretty cool when you think about it but it's not in a cool way when it's like with ants your ants problem but pretty much magical thinking is everything is bad because of something i've done right and so we can jump to these conclusions yeah and it's uh sometimes reading other people's minds trying to 
um, or thinking that you can know exactly what other people thought in a certain situation or and especially when we are looking in ourselves and and finding all our faults and issues we tend to think other people can see those as well Mm -hmm. when really it's not the case in fact in most social situations other people are just as concerned with their self-presentation as we are about ours so they may not see that you stumbled over your words or that you're doing something awkward with your hands while you're speaking uh, but we're conscious of that, so therefore we believe that other people are conscious of it. Exactly. So now that we can identify the emotions, we've identified some of our problem thinking, what do we do next? So after we become aware of it and we've seen how all these tie together, now we have to challenge them. Because they, they're automatic thoughts, but they may or may not be negative. It's up for us to determine um, if they are having a positive or negative uh, response, then what are the things that are driving that automatic thought in the first place? So the first thing I would say is to actually find evidence that supports that thought. And you may be saying, well, if this is a negative automatic thought, why in the world would I want to try uh, to find evidence that builds it up, that reinforces it? Well, the reason is that automatic thought comes from somewhere. Uh, We are all logical creatures. You know, whether you may think of yourself as logical or not, we all uh, think based on A leads to B and B leads to C. And so there's a reason why these automatic thoughts have come into being in the first place. Maybe it was a personal experience that you had. Maybe growing up you didn't have good role models or um, your your, uh, parental figures were not very supportive. And so you grew up learning not to trust other people. That may not work out well for you you as an adult, but there's a reason why that was there. It was self-preservative back when you were a kid. And so we need to investigate those uh, reasons and that evidence that supports that thought to understand how it came to be in the first place and also help us understand why it was useful back then, but not so much now. The next step is then going to be challenging that thought. So now we want to find all the reasons and the evidence for why that automatic thought cannot be true. So to give my trust example another go, we'd say, well, I have adult relationships where there are people who I can rely on and who support me. And so this, you know, trust nobody, be alone or do it by yourself um, doesn't really work for me. In fact, it's impairing my, my current relationships, whereas it helped me in the past. So now based on this accumulation of evidence that both supports the automatic thought and that doesn't, we need to create a new belief, a new thought that supersedes this automatic one that is more accurate. It's more realistic. It's not right or wrong. It's not good or bad. It's just more true. And so in this situation, what I would say is, uh, while it was helpful for me to um, to you know, be self-preservative, <laughs> to rely on myself and not necessarily trust others in the past, I recognize that that was constrained to that situation and that there are some people who I can trust and others who I can't. And that's, I would say that's more accurate. There are going to be people who you, do, uh, you know, may want to keep your guard up with um, in, in the future going forward and be maybe selective in who you do trust, but that doesn't mean you want to shut everyone out entirely. 
I mean, a great way to do this, to take these steps and put it into your daily life is a journal. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll recommend a judgment journal. It could be a negative thoughts journal. It could just be a journal. Just a piece of paper that you write down your thoughts of what are coming in and identifying them and then going through the counterpoints, the positives, negatives to find your new belief. It's not hard. You just write it down and let that flow of thought come to find where these thoughts are coming from. And really, it's a spiritual thing to journal. It is, mm-hmm. and it helps your spiritual health. The, the thing I like to do is ask folks the question why when they when they're able to list their emotion you ask them why and and then you watch their face go blank because they're like I don't know why I feel that way but if you can if you can challenge that negative thought really ask yourself why do I feel my supervisor doesn't like me or why do I feel people aren't safe you usually can come up with the stories but then you can also get to the point of okay it's not all people maybe mm-hmm. it's this one person that particularly did me wrong so now I have this over fear Right. Yeah, because uh, these negative emotions hijack our mind. Yes. It's the uh, amygdala hijack, literally, that happens. And all it takes is one bad negative experience to solidify this belief in our minds. So when, when you ask somebody that why question, they'll say, oh, well, it's because my supervisor yelled at me and they did you know X, Y, and Z on this one incident. And then you can go back and say, okay, so... Were, were there any other situations or is it just that one, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe a, a, another 99 situations where that didn't happen that don't support this? Exactly. And then also when you look at, when you're challenging, if you can't really come up with the why, look at the statement, the thought that came in your head. Ask yourself, are you using unrealistic standards? Did you use words like must, need, have to, should? Always. Always, never. never. Are you labeling? Are you using words like jerk, slob, <laughs> creep, right? Like are yeah. we are we having these thoughts that are labeling? Because that will give you a good indication is if you're – if you're doing these ants and shouldn't be. Absolutely. And, and we've been talking a lot uh, so far about interpersonal relationships, especially in the workplace. But this happens most of the time when I see it anyway in um, our, our relationships with our significant other. So we get upset about something and, and our reaction is to say, you always do this or you never do this. When, you know, maybe it's it's more of a tendency for them to always do something or never do something. Um, but because it's given us such a strong emotional reaction, it comes out that way. And so we have this automatic negative thought that's fueling that. And uh, rather, if we were able to have that internal awareness to say, I'm getting really, you know, teed off. I'm getting really frustrated with my significant other. Let me figure out why that is, oh, okay, they you know, didn't take the trash out when I asked them five times to do it, all right? Does that mean that they don't care about me, that they never listen to me, that they don't support me? No, not necessarily. There may be other reasons why that didn't happen. No, perfect. And I know I had an example I was going to share, but I have, a, I have a neighbor that's got a new dog, and it's just a new dog, and if you've ever had a new puppy, training them can be quite a bear uh, because what they end up doing is just you know barking and so forth. Well, I've been woken up quite a few nights in a row by these this dog and I'm mid sleep so mm-hmm. I'm going and all of a sudden this dog's barking for quite a long period of time and all, what happened is in the middle of the night I wake up after sleep deprivation day like 6 thinking like they hate me they're doing this to like get me mad at them and 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 I'm and these thoughts are running through my head the reality is they just have a new puppy who's being trained to not bark outside but it becomes really frustrating the initial thought though I had was mm-hmm that they're doing this to do against us. Very personal. So, yeah, yeah, that's a great example. So let's let's walk through mm-hmm. it. So um, the situation was this dog was barking in the middle of the night and is waking you up, mm-hmm. okay? So so that was the 
triggering event mm-hmm. that that sparked this whole line of thinking and your emotional reaction. What what was your reaction emotionally? What did you feel like when the frustration or anger probably? And okay. not not anger like you know overwhelmingly, but when you think of being woken up over and over yeah. again by a source outside your control, irritating. you get pretty irritated. Absolutely. And, yeah. and over a few days in a row, I like my sleep, and however <laughs> when I get it, so I really want to have that sleep. And mm-hmm. so when it, you're up, I'm up, and of course it perpetuates because when you get angry, you're kind of wide awake then and can't right. get back to sleep. When the dog eventually stops, then the dog comes back out and. Yeah. yeah. So, so there was a, a frustration, a physical reaction, mm-hmm. and a physical consequence to all this. And you identified the the initial automatic thought that you have. What was that? Um, they're doing this against me. Okay. Or, and don't forget too, uh, for those listening who think that maybe this is really a narcissistic conversation, when you're tired in the middle of the night and these <laughs> things happen, these are the thoughts that are these Logic are real thoughts. We're actually yeah. humans here, and I, you may not have the same thought, but I promise you, um, I did at least. Absolutely. And, and believe it or not, this is actually really common The people have these thoughts all the time. We just, they're subconscious. So we don't pay attention to them, but here you are, you're saying that you identified the thought was they're doing this to me on purpose. My neighbors are making this dog bark in the middle of the night purposefully just to make me up, wake me up. So what, um, what what maladaptive thinking strategy would that be? What what's the error, the thinking error that you're going through here? It's a good question. Um, I think it's going to be personalizing the whole situation. Yeah, because you're so, making it about yourself, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And and go ahead. Oh, and I think it's funny because in the middle of the night that just seemed logical. So right. how I captured it was I took my journal uh-huh. and started just writing. And, and after writing it out, you start thinking logically because you're awake and mm-hmm. you're, you're capturing the emotion. But just like you said with family members who are closest to us, we tend to sometimes go automatically, I mean, go figure, automatically yeah. to these because we, we think we know them so well that we understand the situation. Right. And this, so in this case, like you can see, like, why you'd get that thought but to mm-hmm. capture it write it down and say you know it's just a new puppy like that's right. really the problem and, um, and that's the beauty of writing it down because mm-hmm. sometimes in doing that not only is it kind of cathartic we get all that emotion down out and on paper and actually can put words to it but we start to see how silly it really is like i didn't i don't really believe that but for some reason that made sense when it was just running around my mind but on mm-hmm. paper you read it out and you're like well that's my thinking yeah yeah, yeah. So, so that's good. So you're able to, to journal mm-hmm. and to, to write out that thought. And then it sounds like you're pretty quickly able to understand um, what it was that was fueling that thought, which was just this overwhelming frustration of not being able to sleep. Um, and then also why that thought was kind of silly in the yeah. first oh, place. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, it's not like they were, hopefully they're not purposefully targeting you. <laughs> no, and they weren't. And, yeah. I mean, it's and it's always rough when you're training a new puppy oh. of course the dog puns throw me a bone in. folks but the, the thing is we i know that that's how my new thought is and now i can understand yeah. and of course it does involve real life you know having a conversation about it with them but mm-hmm. ultimately under coming from a place of understanding and not a place of frustration right so the, so the new thought is um it's just a new puppy mm-hmm. you know this is not intentional um you know the dog will get a handle on this behavior later on and so mm-hmm. it won't be a problem so let me ask you this if you had confronted your neighbors with that old automatic negative thought, what do you think you would have said? Oh, I probably would have been frustrated and probably oh, not yeah. in trying to be calm, but probably really frustrated. Mm-hmm. But going over with the sense of this is a puppy, you're training them. How are you training them? What's that yeah. look like for you? And, and they might have gotten defensive. Of, yeah, oh, and, absolutely. 
And probably at that point, they'd purposefully <laughs> try yeah. to wake you up in the moment. Exactly. <laughs> so and trying to come from a place for understanding. Yeah. But now that you've journaled it out and you've come up with this new, more realistic automatic thought mm-hmm. or this new belief, um, now if you were to confront them, I don't know if you have, but if you were with this new belief, how oh, might that go differently? Super, way smoother than, than it probably would have. So yeah. that's positive. And, of course, if, you're, if you have a little one at home or you have a puppy or a small animal, training is very difficult, and it can be quite mm-hmm. frustrating. So coming from a place of understanding definitely helps and uh, trying to just validate that. Absolutely. So by replacing that original thought with a new, different look, perspective, probably even it would help if we did it with a positive thought, mm-hmm. we then can get rid of the old, and then we're not so focused, and we don't generalize it to the point where it's all about us. And then we can move on. We can move on to the next item, and we don't right. carry that with us. Correct. So in summary, um, if you're having an ant problem and you want to, to exterminate it or at least change your relationship with your ants, uh, um, the first step is awareness. So you have to understand what emotion you're feeling, where it's coming from, and identify exactly what that automatic negative thought is. Once you can do that, then it's time to challenge it. So find the evidence that supports it, find the evidence that doesn't support it, and then use that, especially if you've written it down. It's going to be really easy to to compare those two categories and then merge it together to create a new, more realistic thought or belief. And then that, in turn, should help dissipate some of the negative emotions that you've been experiencing as a result of that ant and also help you form a better, more positive reaction. Well, we want to thank you for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgem. I'm Dr. Jerry Walker. And I'm Sergeant Ackerberg. Until next time, if you need us, please reach out to us in the global address list. And we want to thank you for what you do for our nation. We want to tell you have a great day. Mm-hmm.